Look, payday's awesome, but running payroll, calculating taxes and deductions, staying compliant, that's not easy. Unless, of course, you have Gusto. Gusto is a simple online payroll and benefits tool built for small businesses like yours. Gusto gets your team paid while automatically filing your payroll taxes. Plus, you can offer benefits like 401k, health insurance, and workers' comp, and it makes onboarding new employees a breeze. We love it so much, we really do use it ourselves, and we have four years, and I personally recommend you give it a try, no matter how small your business is. And to sweeten the deal, just for listening today, you also get three months free. Go to gusto.com slash boss. that's gusto.com slash being boss. Welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creatives, business owners, and entrepreneurs who want to take control of their work and live life on their own terms. I'm your host, Emily Thompson, and today we're doing the opposite of going big with a conversation about intentionally keeping your business small and feeling good about it with my boss friend, web designer, Callie Edwards. You can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club. And if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to this show and share us with a friend. Before we dive in, bosses, I have a podcast for you to add to your queue. The Remarkable People podcast hosted by Guy Kawasaki. Remarkable People helps you better understand the changing world with interviews from thought leaders, legends, and iconoclasts like Julia Cameron, author of The Artist's Way, which I recently listened to as I continue to do my own Artist's Way practice, and it added a whole new layer of appreciation for the process after listening to Julia's interview. So when you're done with this episode, head on over and listen to the Remarkable People podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Callie Edwards owns June Mango Design, a creative studio that works with helpers, healers, and holistic brands. June Mango's sweet spot lies in the branding and web design process, working with you to design, develop, and launch a fully customized website in just five days with a go live in five process. Her designs have the unique ability to unearth emotions and ensure clients can deeply connect with their dream customers. Callie, welcome to Being Boss. I'm so glad you are here. Yes. Thank you for having me. Of course. I was just saying that I love it when bosses who I've known for a long time um, get to come on the show and share more about what it is that you do. Because, I mean, obviously, I love, you know, interviewing the Lee Bardugos and Alana Fairchilds of the world. But bosses make for really great conversations. Yes. I'm not quite that level, right? But yes, we definitely have things to talk about. For sure. So to get us started, I want to introduce you to everyone. Um, I'd love to hear your entrepreneurial story and how it is that you got really to what you're doing today. Yeah. So I, so I worked many nine to fives as several creative entrepreneurs probably have, and maybe still are who listen. Um, I was working as an agency um, art director and I, I knew I wanted to start my own business. Um, and I also at the time was doing a lot of web design there and, you know, websites were taking just a ridiculous amount of time, like a year and a half. And I, so as I was sort of thinking about starting my own business and I knew I wanted to do design and branding and all of those things, but I also was just having this feeling like, I just think I could do this better. Even if it's, you know, anything less than a year and a half has to be better. That's just <laughs> ridiculous. Um, and this was in like 2014. So when I started June Mango, I also sort of launched my go live and five process, which is sort of still what we're best known for today. 
And that's essentially where we build a website in five days. We start on Monday and you go live and you're all launched and everything is done by Friday. So it's pretty fast. And at the time, that was, I mean, some people are doing it now and several people do it in maybe two weeks or something like that. But at the time, people were kind of like, I'm sorry, what? You're doing, you're doing what in five days? Um, and really, it just comes out of, I always sort of say it's like your artsy friend married your type A friend and they sort of had a business baby because it sort of like just combines the things that I'm best at where I'm very system and process oriented like you. And I'm also very creative and artsy and, you know, design oriented. So I can kind of combine those two things to create this very specific offering that's actually really sort of helpful for people getting their website launched. So I did not read, or I, I don't even think I knew this part of your origin story. So it's begging a question for me, which came first, June Mango or Go Live in Five? So June Mango was always first and I was kind of freelancing on the mm-hmm. side again, as many people do. And I, I started doing like wedding um, stationery. In fact, I think that's how I found Kathleen like back, back, back in the day. Cause she had like a blog about it or something. Right. Um, so that's how I got probably even all the way forward now here to talking to you and being boss and all the things. Um, so I did start June Mango first, but, but go live in five came like almost immediately after sort of with it. Like once I actually launched the business in fall, quit my job and did all the things go live in five was sort of hand in hand with that. So go live in five is a direct um, sort of product of you quitting this agency job where you had been spending a year and a half on websites. Yeah. And you were like, screw this guys, I can do it in five days. I mean, I mean, no, we were doing a lot of WordPress sites and it was just a very different thing. And, yeah. and Squarespace was kind of new at the time. And I sort of learned how to use that platform, which is just a little easier and more intuitive. And so I didn't need to build this custom site, like from the ground up, which I know, you know, can, it's, that's a ton of work. I mean, you used yeah. to do that. And that's just a different thing. So that's not what I'm doing. And it doesn't mean that, you know, there's not a place for that even now doing like a totally custom build. Um, but for the the clients that I wanted to work with and now work with mostly, you just, they just don't need that, that much customization. So we don't really need that much time. For sure. And what you're talking about too is, you know, early days of the internet, the people who were getting websites were not us, right? It wasn't mom and pops. It was Walmart. Right. And Ford. Right. <laughs> and like those kinds of people were, were, you know, investing in this new thing more or less that is the internet and websites and all of those things. But then there was this wave of sort of, I'm going to call us mom and pops, <laughs> right? Because I feel like totally. that's probably the most blanket term for it. These like mom and pop stores and shops and business owners or whatever who came in and wanted to do it, but didn't want to build a Ford website. We just needed a quick, easy something. But at one point, the only option was to get a Ford website. Totally. Um, so for anyone who's new, just like think of that. <laughs> think of those days, right? It's so easy to pop into a Squarespace site or a WordPress site or a Shopify site or whatever it is these days. But back in the day, those things weren't an option. And so it did take a long time and a lot of money, <laughs> right? Yes. And a lot of like very serious skill sets to to um, get a website for yourself. And it sounds like you were making this transition in the time when that wasn't as necessary, but also it wasn't as well known. So what year did you make the transition from corporate into full-time June Mango and launching Go Live in 5? 
So that was 2014. So it's exactly that time. Like you said, it was just in that sort of weird middle ground period where it wasn't like any old, anyone can sort of jump into Squarespace or Wix or whatever and make a site. Um, And it was also like, most people still felt like they needed this full-blown web development situation, right? So so it was that, that weird sweet spot of that for sure. And that's essentially what I've done is I've sort of just removed the development piece of it. And we do a lot of customization. So you would never know that our sites are on Squarespace. It doesn't look templated at all. But I'm not, again, I'm not sitting there building everything from the ground up, putting JavaScript in and all these like, you know, fancy web dev things. Yeah, for sure. I remember this time in in my own like website, you know, website development journey so well too. I remember having a conversation with David about how I was in websites at such a magical time, right? Because I I think the bulk of what I was doing was between um, 2010 and 2015, 2016. So very sort of similar time frame when all of these platforms were coming out that made building a website quote unquote easier. And really, there's no quota. There's like it legit was easier. It wasn't easy. <laughs> But it was easier to build websites for, you know, small businesses. And there were so few of us who could do it and could do it well. And I remember, and even, you know, post 2008, like everyone was trying to figure out a thing for themselves and starting their own business and all of these things. I remember that being such a golden age of being a web designer on the internet. Um, So I love that. I love that you were joining in at about that time too, because it was, it was such a special time and such a really great time to get in and learn how the internet worked and how to build websites and, you know, to really f- connect with and create these communities of small business owners online. Um, I loved that period of time in my career for sure, because I knew I was there when something really special was happening. Yeah, for sure. And it's a, it's a unique thing. And, and as you know, web design is not, it's not the easiest graphic design to do. There's a lot of things that that can make that a hard process from a tech standpoint, from even a client standpoint. Um, so it's definitely, it still takes, even now, like with all the easy customizations and platforms you can use, it's sort of, I think that's sort of why actually there's been some longevity to the Go Live in 5 process because it's it actually is so much more about the process than it is about um, the web design in the, I mean, of course they're getting a website and it's beautiful and it's functional, but it's also a lot about what they're getting from me as the person communicating with them, helping them clarifying things for them, because there's just so much that goes into it that, that not everybody is going to know how to do. And again, that can be tech stuff. Like I don't even know where my domain name is. Um, and, or it could be, um, or it could be something like getting your content ready and how does that work and what does that look like and what do I need and how much time do I need and when do I need it by? I mean, there's all these sort of questions that we try really hard to answer for people. So the clarity is sort of like our, is actually sort of like our biggest sort of asset. Yeah. And I mean, for the web design realm too, that's so important because I mean, how many people have been burned by a web designer? It ha- right. I mean, truly, people. <laughs> I just yeah. did a website for someone, and she was just distraught. I mean, she was almost in tears because she had just had this horrible experience. And so that happens all the time, where people come to us and say, "She, you know, this web designer disappeared on me, or they left me with this thing that I can't edit, or all of these problems that can sort of arise." And 
And then we end up being kind of the the handy fix it person who comes in afterwards and cleans everything up. Right. So yes, that and our processes have to be so on point, right, that we're making them feel good and really even sort of healing their PTSD around the whole process while we're at it. It's a whole thing, whole thing, everybody. Um, Okay, so you launched Go Live in Five in 2014. It is now 2022. It's been eight years since you've done this. Tell me a little bit about what has happened in those eight years. So, you know, for the most part, I've just been this one woman show and that's been pretty intentional. Um, And really, I haven't changed a lot of what my offerings are. There's been a few, you know, I'm a creative. So I sometimes decide, oh, I'm going to launch this course or I'm going to do this thing sort of that's outside a little bit. But for the most part, really what we mostly do is branding and web design. And that's pretty much it. And and if people need packaging and things like that, we kind of, you know, have that all in our tool belt to help them round out their project. But for the most part, I've tried to stay really close and tight with that. These are the things that we do. This is our sweet spot. And this is how we can help you. And that, that has both allowed us to grow in terms of the clients and and the things that we do, but also stay sort of small because we don't necessarily, we're not expanding, if that makes sense. Yeah. How have you, how have you reconciled that in your sort of creative slash entrepreneurial brain, right? Like you've made these conscious decisions and I, and I've had the pleasure of seeing them be conscious decisions. I've also had the pleasure of seeing you like maybe wonder what it would be like, <laughs> right? To do something else or try something else or grow. And, but you you always stay true to what it is that you're doing. And I'm, I'm wondering what that thought process is like, or even like what mindset maybe you have that's allowed you to, to stay in this space. Yeah, I, I think it's so many things, honestly. So it could be like a six-part answer. But I, you know, one of the things is that I... I do like to flesh out the ideas, which I've done with you. And I often will give myself a lot of space to build the idea and then sit on it for a little while. Because the other thing that will happen is as long as I do actually sit on it for a little while, I can then decide, frankly, I have like project ADD. So if I get tired and I don't want to do it anymore, then I, um, you know, it's fine. It's gone. I had this idea. I, I put a little effort into it. It was sort of fun, but I, di- I didn't actually in the end want to chase it down. I realized it was hard. Um, if I still want to do it, then that's something that, okay, well now maybe I'll pursue. So that's sort of, that's sort of how I've kept myself from running after all these ideas that I do have. Um, and then the other thing I think is in, ter- in terms of those mindsets, I think a scarcity mindset shift is a huge one. So just sort of thinking about coming from a place of like, of rather than scarcity and fear about whatever it is, not having enough money or not having enough clients or anything related to that, just sort of like actually having this mindset of enoughness. So this is enough. It doesn't have to be, don't have to make piles and piles of cash. I don't need to go buy a Lamborghini. I just want to kind of pay my bills and work, you know, a handful of hours that then I can have a few left over to hang out with my kiddo. You know what I mean? So it's sort of like changing that um, mindset. And I think the other thing I would say about that is maybe going back even further and sort of redefining success and what success looks like to you. 
because, you know, in our culture, it's sort of like success is always piles of cash or fame or notoriety or just sort of bigness in this way where you've done all these things, or you have all this clout. And I think if we can redefine success personally by, by literally sort of asking ourselves what it means to us versus what society says it should mean, then that can actually kind of give us a good guide for then how we're going to set up our business. So again, success for me looks like not working 40 hours a week. Success for me looks like my kid being home because of COVID protocols and me being able to actually take care of him and not be stressed out, um, making some money. And I live in DC, so it's an expensive city. So it's not, you know, but just enough to live comfortably. So those are the things that make me feel successful. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. I want to back up maybe just a little bit because what we are here to talk about (laughs) is this decision that you've made all along the way for eight years, right? To stay small. And so you just sort of gave us a couple of, a couple of, um, of things that have helped you sort of accomplish that. And I'm wondering if any of these really stand out for the answer to this question, or if you have something else completely, but like, but why? Why have you chosen to stay small? Yeah, that's a funny question because it's sort of an obvious one. And I, I, the answer I want to give you is, is because it's allowed because you're allowed to stay small. It's okay. You know, it's sort of like, again, it's sort of thinking about what matters to you. Like does, does, does the thing that matter to you most that you have enough time to spend with your family or that you want to go on vacation a lot or whatever. Like, what are those things? What are those values? And then just knowing that that's okay. So you, you are allowed to stay small in business. You don't have to hire a team if you don't want to, or if it doesn't align with sort of your bigger life goals. And I do sort of think about, for me personally, I really think about business in this holistic way, which I know is such a buzzy word. But what I mean by that is like, it's, you know, your life is sort of an ecosystem and you, your business is only one part of that. So, so everything is sort of informing everything else. So my, my, my relationships are informing my, my work and my business, which is informing my leisure time, which is informing everything else. Right. So how does it kind of all work together? And as long as I'm sort of thinking about all of these parts together, I can kind of create the business that fits into my life rather than the other way around. Yeah. Mm. I, yeah, it's all, all of those things are so important. I really love this aspect of like, it is just allowed because I think that anyone who's in the sphere of, you know, creative entrepreneurship or especially entrepreneurship without the creative side to it, um, or any of those things, you see the Lambos, right? Which are literally the most impractical car on the planet, y'all. <laughs> right. Um, or, or, you know, or any example of more right? Mm -hmm. Of like, and you should want more or you're not doing it right. And so I love that you're saying that that's not true because it's not true. And you can be an entrepreneur and a business owner and still want to stay small. And I think this is a really relevant conversation to be had here. A couple of weeks ago, I was hosting one of the Monday meetups in the Being Boss community. And I can't remember what the topic of conversation was. But I remember asking the crowd, you know, in the in the zoom room, there's probably two dozen plus of us in there. Um, show of hands for who has a team. And I think maybe one person held up their hand. Yeah, right. Because the majority of bosses of you all listening, 
don't have a team. Maybe you have a virtual assistant um, or similar, but you don't have a team. And many of you don't want one. And most of you probably think you're doing something wrong because you feel that way. And you're not. (laughs) You're totally not. You can build a business that is just your business that gives you what you want and need. And that is totally allowed. So I love that you have just very clearly and plainly said that. Yeah. And I think, you know, even to play a little bit of devil's advocate, because of course, like I said, I was a one woman show for a long time and now I'm not, but you can, there is still a middle ground too. So you don't have to necessarily be a solopreneur or have a team of five people. You, like you said, you could have a virtual assistant, which is just um, maybe works as a contractor, or you could work with other contractors. For what we've done is I've hired um, one employee. So I have one employee and then I have a virtual assistant. And that for me is actually the perfect size for sort of what has changed and how we have sort of grown. And, but grown in sort of almost grown from my needs rather than grown in sort of scale, if that makes sense. For sure. I just, I just needed some extra help. I wanted to delegate the things that would free up my time so that I could do more of what I wanted to do, what I was good at doing, so I could rest more, <laughs> all of those yeah. things. Yeah. Right. All of those things are really great measures of just like general human success. <laughs> that you can do all of these things and not that toxic entrepreneurship that I see too much of um, that I don't think is correct. And I love also that you brought up holistic a minute ago. One of the things that I've been talking about um, in the C-suite at in the Being Boss community, which is like a mastermind group of six plus figure bosses, um, we've sort of coined this phrase we talk about all the time. And it really helps us like center ourselves in whatever conversation we're having um, to bring in what we feel is like one of the most boss mindsets we can. And that is this idea of holistic capitalism. (laughs) Oh, interesting. (laughs) Right? So not even just holistic business, which there – and I love that it is a buzzword because it should be, goddammit. Like, we should be thinking about things significantly more holistically than we do in every way, shape, or form. So buzz the hell out of it. Please do. Because <laughs> um, we should all be considering everything a little more holistically. Um, but there is this there is this wider view that we have to take when we're building our business and our lives and all of these things. And not only how they affect us, but how they affect the people who um, are giving us money, so our clients and customers, uh, the people that we're working with, our vendors or contractors or employees, um, and what it means in the place where we live, right? Um, or, you know, in the places in the internet where we're operating or whatever it may be. So I really, I love that you brought that up because that is something that is very much so top of mind and I think is significantly more easy to achieve when you are intentionally staying small, Yeah, right? Because you're able to like really make sure that all the things are working. Unpredictability is part of what makes starting and growing a business both exciting and terrifying. From the next client to your next closed deal or your next hire, finding predictability in business is about as likely as finding a last minute Valentine's Day dinner reservation. Unlikely. A HubSpot CRM platform is here to help grow and scale with you through uncertainty so you can spend your time getting to that dinner. 
HubSpot's reporting dashboard is like your crystal ball, giving you a bird's eye view on your marketing sales and customer service performance so you can get ahead of any issues before they happen. Lead tracking and automation takes on sales tasks so your team can focus on serving your customer, and shared inboxes make incoming chats and emails easy to manage and scale for everyone on the team. Learn more about how a HubSpot CRM platform can help your business grow better at HubSpot.com. There's a lot to love about being your own boss, but trying to figure out your financials on your own likely isn't one of them. Luckily, there's FreshBooks, the all-in-one accounting solution that's built for business owners like you. FreshBooks takes all the not-so-fun parts of running a business, from building and tracking invoices to managing online payments and organizing expenses, and automates them with features like the new Digital Bills and Receipt Scanner, saving you up to 11 hours a week in the process. FreshBooks has your back at tax time, too. With a ton of reports to choose from, you'll know exactly where your business stands, and you can easily hand the keys over to your accountant so they can take over when it's time to reconcile everything for the year. Try FreshBooks free for 30 days, no credit card required, by going to freshbooks.com slash beingboss to get started today. Um, Okay, so you've shared why you have chosen to stay small. All beautiful reasons. Thank you. Um, I'm sure you've also chosen this because of some very clear benefits to you and probably your team and your customers. I'm wondering what those are. Like what benefits are you cashing in on by staying small? Yeah, I think, um, well, I think one of the things you actually already touched on, which is it's just simpler, you know, and that's okay. You don't have to manage a team. You don't have to manage, you know, you have two businesses, which is incredible, but that would make me pretty tired. It's complex. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. Um, so, you know, in some ways it's just simpler and that again, and, and again, since we were just talking about the holistic thing for me, I'm in this sort of season of growing my family. And so I need a little more time away from my business in order to have time with all these people in my, my household. Um, so <laughs> that's part of it too. I need the, I need a lot of energy to actually not be put into my business right now. Um, and that doesn't mean that that can't change, but again, just for me right now, that's sort of where I am. So that's, that's a simple and obvious benefit. The other benefit that I have found with June Mango is just that I am able to kind of keep myself really involved in the business. And by doing that, I'm able to make sure that my clients are getting the actual best, um, best of me and sort of best service that they can possibly get. So being able to sort of not pull yourself all the way back. And if you have a large team and you're training people and, you know, hopefully in theory, you've trained them well and they're doing a wonderful job too, but staying small has allowed me to kind of keep my foot in the door, so to speak, and make sure that I really I'm making sure that the business is going and growing and doing all the things that I want it to do and that all my clients are really happy. And I'm giving them that a really personal sort of one-on-one experience that is really valuable. And I actually sort of what I was saying in the beginning, I actually think that that is a lot of where our value um, lives in the services we're offering. So yes, we'll build you a beautiful website, but really it's almost like we're having web therapy or something. You know, it's, I am here (laughs) for you. And, and I couldn't do that if we had, if I was sort of just this high level sort of CEO. Yeah. Right. And what 
What a shifted mindset from, I think, most, again, of what we hear of like, you know, pull yourself out of your business. Um, and and I think there's a place for that. I 100% think there's a place for that. Um, that's one of the things that I even see myself doing. I am doing both of those things right now. I'm pulling myself out of a lot of the day-to-day at being boss because I am putting myself into Almanac in a way that I'm seeing the benefits that you're talking about too. I love being in our shop and our customers know that whenever they come and deal with me, they're dealing with the owner, right? Not some like, not someone else who we have other people too. Um, But there is something that comes to the value that you bring to your process and your customers that is so much more valuable, (laughs) I guess. When it's you doing it, uh, because you're the one who's breathing the life into your business. So I'm I'm really appreciating you sharing this sort of this other aspect of it. Um, and the simplicity piece too. I especially think that if you have a highly complex process, so a whole website in five days, mm-hmm. right? Or um, or maybe you're a PR agency, right? Who's like touching lots of things as you are providing the services to your customers or or it's any sort of process that is complex, I think is better served when you otherwise keep the operation small. I think that's why, you know, you do see people with these highly specialized services who are able to charge for the thing because they're only working with three people. And those three people are getting insanely great attention from the person who is providing the service. There are so many benefits all over the board that come from staying small. And it doesn't mean that you're not making money, right? That you're not profitable. I would also much rather see a boss business making $80,000 in, you know, total revenue with a profit of 20, 30, 40K than a boss who's making 400,000 who's in the hole every year, right? There is like two different businesses there. The one that's making less is actually the better business. (laughs) Yeah. If you're just looking at numbers. Yeah. And I was just going to say, even thinking about that hiring thing again, it's, you know, you can, you can, it doesn't mean that you still have to wear all the hats, right? So you can just be doing that one super specific process driven thing where you, that's literally all you're doing. And you've maybe hired your assistant or whatever else it is um, to take on your bookkeeping and every other thing that you obviously have to, to deal with as a business owner. So you, so you don't have to remove yourself unless you want to, but if you do, if you love doing this particular process or whatever it is, or, you know, you knit and you are the one who wants to just be the actual creative and using your hands. And that's the whole reason you started it in the first place, right? Then maybe you hire out for all the rest of the things. So you can just be the one who's knitting the hats for the little babies. Right. Oh, good one. And right. And same. So similarly at being boss, one of the things that I told the team literally just this morning um, was I just want to come in and be a really great podcaster. Yeah. I, I want to have so much energy for recording these shows and not like second wave energy because I already spent six hours doing all the other things that I, you know, quote unquote need to do. But I want to be able to come in here and like do this shit great, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> or well, whatever it is. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And <laughs> Again, and this is the perfect place to talk about it and get real woo-woo, but it is an energy thing, right? Yeah. So we only, oh, 100%. Have, we only have so much energy at any given time. So really that's part of it too, is just deciding where the hell do you want this energy to go? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So there's some really good benefits to staying small. And 
intentionally staying small, right? You are putting your energy exactly where you want it to be. You are hiring the couple of people who are going to help you in just the places that you need. And you are staying small so that the process that you have for delivering whatever it is that you're delivering to your client or customer is so on point each and every time. Uh, those are really great benefits, <laughs> each and every one of those for sure. Um, but I would imagine the comparison trap is real, real. So as you are like intentionally staying small, but scrolling Instagram or listening to podcasts or whatever it may be, um, how are you dealing? Like, how do you continue to stay small? Yeah, well, first of all, find me someone who doesn't get stuck in the comparison trap and I would right. like to give Doesn't them a medal. Exist. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brene Brown has this great quote. I even have a, I won't read the whole thing, but it, she says the comparison is like, it's, it literally says be like everyone else, but be better, which is like, that's exactly what it is. It's the most yeah. ridiculous thing because it's just not possible. So I think it's sort of like you are either following your inner compass or you're following a map. And if you're following the map, you're going to be going where someone else has already been. And that maybe that's fine. So sort of best case scenario, you will do the thing that this other person has done and you'll do it pretty well or well enough. And that's okay. If you're following your inner compass, you're going to go where you need to go. And that is going to be the thing that makes you stand out, right? So you just, you sort of can't, you just can't stand out if you're doing what everyone else is doing. It's just not possible. And, you know, when you start out and you're sort of a baby boss, sometimes it's nice to just have the map just to get you going. And that's totally okay. Um, but I think just sort of understanding who you are, what you need, what you're good at is actually a great pace, a great place to, to sort of come from. And the other thing I would say, I like to call it the myth of your mentors. And what I mean by that is that we see all these things on Instagram or anywhere else, right? Or it's like Sarah of the six-figure launch. And she's like telling you how she did this wonderful, amazing course launch and she made hundreds of thousands of dollars, which she did. And it's incredible. But Sarah of the six-figure launch probably started with a different goal. And she probably created this course because that was actually the best way to serve her clients. And she had this super specific expertise and she sort of combined all of these things that were really coming from her insides, but all we're seeing are her outsides, which is the end result of the six-figure launch, right? So that's sort of what I mean by when I say the myth of your mentors, or you see people who have bajillions of Instagram followers and you think you need that. So if we can kind of step back and know that there's a lot of stuff that went into that and not just work, but, but real like... Um, I don't know, like her guts, the <laughs> way to say it, like really sort of yeah. coming from not just her doing the work, but, but having this other goal of, okay, I have this excellent expertise and how do I share that with these people who really need it, who I know I'm really good at serving. Mm -hmm. Right. The goal was service, right? Exactly. The goal was like really, truly serving the person or people that you are there to serve. What she ends up selling is a six figure launch, like to someone else later. Right. And so exactly. in that six figure launch, you might be touching on the importance of service, but really she's saying, identify a person. How can you like help them? And then do this, 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 and this, and then ta-da, you should have it. Oh, you don't? <laughs> because she forgot to truly explain the essence of that desire to serve. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And 
And I think, again, it just, if you're thinking about the things that you're good, it's like I was saying in the beginning, sort of, I am an artistic person and I'm also really good at systems and processes. So when I combine those two things, I get the sort of magic bullet, which is the go live in five process. But there are a lot of other things that I'm not so good at doing. I'm really, really bad at launching courses. For example, I can't launch, I can't like do marketing strategies. I am just not good at that. So you could, I could follow her whole, you know, setup for the six figure launch and I would probably make like $1 and, and that's okay. This <laughs> is not for me. No, that's sort of yeah. someone else's map. Yeah, for sure. I also, there's also this essence in here. You mentioned it earlier that I think is a really great way that you have been able to stay true to this thing that you were here to do when you found the way that you can do it. And that is that you are sort of testing and changing other things, right? You are absolutely following the shiny object sometimes, creating the thing, doing the thing, but then also being so mindful of like, of the time that you need to take to see if it's real or not. Right. So you're not like starving your creative urges by any Mm -hmm. means. Um, You aren't you know, not exploring, you are doing those things. But you're also one of the things that I see bosses do creatives, in particular do all the time is they'll just pivot that business model at the drop of a hat, as often as they see a shiny object, which like if you're in target is everywhere, which I love. But like, you know, like, you're honoring it, but you're also not redefining your entire business. Every time you have an idea, you have developed a process for yourself for seeing if it's a good enough idea, seeing if you're actually going to be able to buy into it, see if you're actually going to be able to follow through and then either you'll do it or you won't. Yes. And I mean, I'm human. I've, I've done the thing and tried to follow the, like you said, the shiny object, but otherwise I wouldn't know I was so bad at launching things because I've tried to do that. (laughs) But I am not good at that. And it doesn't actually serve. It doesn't help me serve people in the way I want to serve right. them. And now you know it. And, and you would not have known it if you hadn't done it a time or two. Exactly. Right. So so this isn't about like even, you know, we always talk, you know, growing big and, you know, doing the thing, whatever, you know, becoming a whatever. Like it has <laughs> its dips and, you know, ebbs and flows. It's like mountains and valleys. But like so does staying small. Like you're going to go through the exact same windy entrepreneurial entrepreneurial path um if you decide to stay small that you do whenever you are big um or whenever you are growing something big and it's funny i keep saying small and big as if they're like i actually ah, i'm wondering how you define the difference between staying small and letting yourself grow big yeah that's that is interesting i mean i almost think it comes back to that energy thing again, where it's like, it's sort of what I was saying about being in this season of growth for my family, where I just don't have the energy to let my business expand and take so much space. Um, and that's sort of how I would define it because I do think, because we have seen growth, like I said, I have hired people. I have done some of these things, but ultimately we're still sort of doing the same thing. We're sort of showing up in the same way we were showing up in 2014. I'm showing up in, in a lot of the same ways. So I think that's sort of the way I see it. Um, and and maybe to grow big would mean maybe one example from my personal business would be if I was going to teach people how to do the go live in five process or something. And then that yes. would, you know, sort of 
I don't know, it would like bloom out into this bigger space where um, then everyone else is doing it. And then that's like a whole separate thing. And so the Goliath and five process grows in that way, but that's not really what I have wanted to do. So in that way, that again, sort of feels small to me where it's, it's still mine, it's still sort of just within June Mango. The thing that's coming to mind for me as you're saying this, because I'm resonating with all of that as well, is this idea, I feel like it's grown quote unquote big when you've lost touch with an aspect of something in your life or business because of it. Does that make sense? So if you were to scale, go live in five to teach other people, you then lose touch with that process and how it's being delivered to another customer or client, Mm -hmm. right? Um, still a great idea. If you ever want to do that, let's talk. (laughs) (laughs) But like, that is a, like, that is a growing big step. Um, Mm -hmm. if it's not part of your goal, does not let you achieve what you want to achieve, choosing not to, and deciding to stay small. Great for you. Love that. Um, similarly, you know, there's like a essence of, um, growing a team. I will never forget the interview that we did with David Heinemeyer Hansen, co-founder of Basecamp, co-founder of Basecamp in the first hundred episodes of Being Boss. If you go to the show notes, we'll include a link or just like search it in the feed. Um, when he was talking about growing Basecamp and how he always wanted to sit, it to stay small. And I remember, I think it was Kathleen asked him, well, like how many people are on the team now? And he was like, I don't know, 50 something. Well, he didn't even know everyone's name anymore. Mm. And how at that point, like there was a point in him growing that team that it went big and he Mm -hmm. lost touch with the people who worked for him. And again, not a bad thing. They've gone on to like build some amazing products that have allowed people to, you know, do cool things. It's also been a little problematic here or there, but that's another, (laughs) it's another conversation. Um, But there is this like out of touchness that I think becomes um, a part of it for good or bad, for sure, um, that is associated with, I don't know, how I feel like we're having this conversation between staying small and, you know, keeping your, not necessarily keeping your fingers in all the pies, like you may not do your own bookkeeping, right? There is like a little bit of out of touch, um, but it's not like this big part of your business that you are no longer in touch with. Well, it's like it's grown bigger than you, right? That's yeah. almost, that's sort of another way to think about it. It's grown bigger than you. It's sort of, he's grown, it's grown so big that he can't know everyone who works for him. And again, that's not a bad thing. It's just, it, it's grown too big for him to manage it in that way, to sort of be involved in that way. So, right. so and maybe to get out of it, even what he wants, mm-hmm. something yeah. to consider. Mm. So many good things here. Okay, good. I think that that leaves us in a place where everyone can think about what it looks like to to stay small for themselves, to be engaged in exactly the ways they want to, and if growing bigger, right, uh, to think bigger for something that you offer for the business that you run is something that you want. Um, I will like flip side of this. I have big plans for Almanac over the next couple of years, for sure. I am totally fine with getting out of touch <laughs> right a couple of things <laughs> and and again just to be clear that is fine right there's nothing yeah. wrong with being big it's just indeed. that i'm saying there's also nothing wrong with being small indeed right it's just choosing the path that is right for you and the business that you are building exactly. um okay you did mention a couple of times though because those are just like continuing this definition of small versus big you do have people working for you what mm-hmm. does that what does your team look like 
So right now I have a virtual assistant and she is wonderful. And I, she's been with me for maybe three or four years. Um, and she is a contractor. Um, and so she does a lot of the detail things that either I'm not super detail oriented. That's one of the things, again, that's just sort of, I'm better at, again, this sort of interpersonal relationship and design and all those things. So she kind of keeps the details in check. She also does the things I just don't like to do that much, which is totally fine. And then I've recently hired um, a designer, another designer, just, just to help me, again, sort of allow me to step back from my business because I was so in it. I was so sort of lost in my inbox. It was so sort of getting stuck in all of the day-to-day management of the business that I wasn't able to be a little high level, you know, just, I wanted to be able to think about my business and marketing and what does, what do I want this to look like still in, um, in that sort of growth and expansion way that you can still achieve, obviously, even when you're small. And so she helps with our web design. She's an incredible designer. And then she does, she basically kind of picks up the, um, the slack in terms of anything else that we need, or if there's sort of, you know, for example, if we've done a branding project and then they need a lot of assets that come after that, right? So it'll be like packaging or you might need your brochures or your business cards and things like that. So she helps a lot with sort of those, um, sort of secondary designs. Nice. So that's it. Perfect. that for some, that for most creatives that I know is like probably max management. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you know, the other thing worth noting is it, it does change your role when you hire someone, yeah. right? So my roles have changed and shifted, of course. And now I'm in this sort of managerial spot in a lot of ways. And, and that's also not for everybody. So not everybody, this happens in sort of the cor- corporate world a lot, right? Where people get promoted to manager because they're just good at their job, whatever they were doing before they might not actually be good managers. They might have just been really good at whatever their actual previous job was. So it doesn't mean that you hire someone and then it's all hunky-dory. Maybe you're, you know, you may not even want to be a manager. Right. In which case, understand that about yourself and your business. It is also possible to hire people who are really great self-managers, right? Those people do exist 100%. Um, But in general, once you hire you're managing. (laughs) To some extent, you are managing. Um, And I know that that is the reason why some bosses choose to stay like incredibly micro business. Because I do, I just pulled this up. I couldn't remember exactly what the number is. And it's because it's not very clearly defined. Um, But depending on the industry, a small business is one that employs up to one source says 250 employees, another says 1500 employees. Wow. Right. Just every, every boss, just close your eyes for a second and imagine having 1,500 people working for you. <laughs> really? Grief. Right? I think that most of us never want to be in that situation. Some of us may, and I love that for you, uh, but most of us do not. I'm even in a place where 250 isn't necessarily, I don't think, what I want to build um, with what I'm doing. But I always consider this idea of micro business, right? These like businesses that are so tiny, um, right? One employee yourself um, Mm -hmm. or two, five, even 10 employees, um, even like 15, 20, I think in the world of, you know, bigger business is a micro business. And I think whenever we are in this place, we're so much more able to stay agile and to stay connected to our employees, right? To, to do these really, these really great things, um, with what it is that we do. And maybe I should bring on some like, you know, 
other bigger small business bosses and be like, how do you feel about your team, your work-life balance? <laughs> yeah, I would be really curious. And maybe it just, again, it's like a personality thing or just that energy yeah. thing. So uh, it, again, it just all for me comes back to what is it that you want? What do you want? Yeah, you know, for sure. And what do you want to be doing all day? Legit, because exactly. you can hire for those things as well. Um, perfect. I think my sort of last question that I have for you is a little bit around maybe just like overarching boundaries. Because you've mentioned, you know, small team, family, the sort of division between life and work and how your energy needs to be supported in one so you can deliver in the other, etc. Um, what do your boundaries look like? How are you managing this like mindset around staying small and doing the work and achieving it all in a way that feels successful to you. Yeah. I th- this is something that I've really had to work on both in life and business. And I'm, I'm much better at it in business than in life now. Um, I had to do a lot of therapy around it. And now I work with a lot of therapists, so it's just it's perfect full circle. <laughs> um, but you know, boundaries really are about defining what your needs are. So that's sort of the place to start. So we're thinking about what is it that I need? Do I need a a morning schedule that allows me, you know, to take time to meditate and run and not check my emails until 1030 in the morning? Or, or do I need to make sure that in terms of my process that I need content from you by X day, otherwise we cannot start on Monday, right? So that's sort of a, a boundary too. So it's, it's thinking about the needs and then you're sort of creating the rules around those needs. So again, if I need time with my family, maybe I need specific hours. And so I do have very specific hours, for example, um, that way I can go pick up my kiddo from school and I can be with him from 4 PM and on. And, you know, I'm not going to answer emails past that time. So part of it is figuring out the needs, then creating the rules and then just communicating them really confidently. And I think that that's probably actually the hardest part and takes a little practice, but people really want to know what to expect from you. Um, And that's again, true in life and in business. And I think that a lot of times, especially when we start businesses, it can feel, and maybe as women too, this probably goes into a whole sort of gendered conversation, but I think women tend to be more people-pleasing types. And so it's harder sometimes for us to say, oh no, I can't help you with this right now. Or I'm afraid you won't like me, which sort of in business translates to like, maybe you won't work with me. And that can feel really scary. So sort of understanding that you deserve to have those boundaries. And, and not only that, but people do appreciate whenever they know what to expect. So they appreciate knowing, okay, your content is due by X day. Otherwise, this affects your project and that would be bad for you. You know, you'd be disappointed if we couldn't move forward. So that's why I'm communicating this boundary, for example. Yeah. I also love that what you've just sort of explained here is how, you know, earlier we were talking about one of the benefits of staying incredibly small is the fact that you can build really amazing processes for the thing that you deliver. So it's so you know easy or streamlined or whatever. And what you're talking about is like obviously getting those on lockdown right? Knowing exactly what those are and then letting the, that, that importance of process flow into your life as well. And how those create boundaries for you to show up in the ways that you need to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. Well, Kelly, this has been 
a treat of a conversation. I knew it would be. I'm so glad you have been able to witness so much of your journey and to to see you have, you know, considered <laughs> expansions in, uh, in places and to always come back to this thing that you do and you do so well and to now be here going, you know what? I have stayed small and I'm effing owning it. And here's what it looks <laughs> and feels like to do it. Um, so I appreciate you coming and having this conversation with me. Yeah. Well, thank you for letting me come and give the other sort of side and perspective for, for a minute. I really appreciate it. For sure. And if anyone wants to follow you or work with you, where do they find you on the internet? Yes. So we are at junemango.com. Um, and then I'm pretty, another boundary I have is not being on that much social media or anywhere else because it makes me a little tired. So the only other place you can really find us is on Instagram at junemangostudio. And that's it. But come say hey. Perfect. Thanks so much. And my last question for you, what's making you feel most boss? Oh, yes. You know, we were just talking before we sort of officially started recording about COVID and how it's bananas right now. And I'm in DC, which is just the worst spot for it. So the thing making me feel most boss is that no matter how many times my kiddo has to stay home from school because of somebody else has COVID, I don't have to freak out and wonder how I'm going to manage my business and what's going to happen and is everything going to get done. But I feel really confident that I have all of these things in place that it's going to be fine and I can hang out with him for a couple of days and nothing's going to burn to the ground. For sure. Oh, you and all of our boss friends have been able to weather the storm, I think, more, dare I say, easily than <laughs> anyone I know who has a real job. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. It's like, and this is such a tangent, but... I remember everybody getting on Zoom and being like, wait, what is this Zoom thing? And, you know, we've been on Zoom for yeah. for forever. Yeah. So it's like we already kind of had had these things that we knew how to do this already. For sure. We've been preparing for this our entire lives. <laughs> but I still, I was, still wasn't prepared. <laughs> yeah. In some ways, not in all ways, right? Yeah. For sure. For sure. I know. And for us and, and you know, our employees too, I feel like. Um, that is quite boss. I, I share that boss feeling with you. I'm glad that that is making you continue to feel boss two years <laughs> later. <laughs> yeah. As a business owner, you likely have a website. And as a website owner, you likely want more Google traffic. But SEO or search engine optimization is likely not at the top of your long list of deduce. But I'm telling you right now that it should be a priority for each and every one of us. And with the help of Ahrefs Webmaster Tools, getting your website found just got a lot faster and easier. Ahrefs Webmaster Tools is a free resource that will audit your website and prioritize the changes you need to make to improve your search rankings. You'll see which keywords your pages are ranking for, understand how Google sees your content, and discover how making changes can increase your organic traffic, which means more leads and sales for your business. It will do a full audit for you and keep working for you for free. Visit hrefs.com slash A-W-T for this free tool. That's hrefs.com slash A-W-T, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. Or find a link in our show notes and help your website be a better asset for your business. Now, until next time, do the work, be boss. Yeah.